RPC Radio. Radio. Hello, you're listening to Insurance Covered. Welcome to the podcast that covers anything and everything to do with insurance. Coming up in this episode. Very quickly, I realised that this was the industry for me and quite honestly, I, I have never looked back. I, I do see it as a career for me into the future. So no regrets and think it was the right decision, yeah. My name is Peter Mansfield. I'm a partner in the law firm RPC and in each episode, I'm joined by a guest and we discuss an aspect of the wonderful world of insurance. And this week we have George Barker, Assistant Underwriter at Aspen Insurance, and we're going to discuss why he has chosen a career in insurance. George has been with Aspen for five years and is based in London, but he grew up in nearby Essex in Rayleigh. In 2014, he left home to study geography at the University of Southampton. After graduation, he worked for nine months at Moorfields Advisory, but in 2018, George moved to Aspen, where he started out as an underwriting graduate, but for the last three years, he has worked in the crisis management team as an assistant underwriter, which is what we're going to discuss today. So, George, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Now, just by way of introduction, this is the second episode in a two-parter. The last episode was our first ever podcast special, and it was on the recruitment crisis within insurance. So, so that episode set the scene. But in this episode, we're going to be discussing the answer. We will be discussing why insurers can and should be a destination career for both graduates and school leavers. So, George, let's start back in 2017. So it's your final year at university and you have to start making plans for a life after academia, if indeed academia is how you describe your time at university. So when you, when you were in your last year at university, what sort of careers were you thinking? What were you thinking in terms of how your life would pan out? I think one of the main struggles at university at the moment is that when you're considering your future career, the same industries get put in front of you, typically banking, consulting, maybe accounting. And I knew at the time that I didn't really fancy any of those careers. So if I'm being totally honest, I found myself a tad lost when leaving university. And when you asked what was I contemplating, I was I was more contemplating a career that allowed me to see how the world works. Um, I did a geography degree, so at the time I was fascinated by all things culture and travel and, and not necessarily balance sheets and financial statements that a lot of other graduates were looking to do as they left university. So whilst I, I knew I wanted to leave university and get into a professional career, I wasn't entirely sure what my plan actually was. So what led you to insurance? Was there a family link or, you know, loads of insurance people live in Essex. So is it, was it a family friend or, or, or how, what was it that got you thinking about insurance? Yeah, I think you touched on a couple. I think it was a, a multitude of individuals, predominantly family friends. No one in my immediate family worked in the industry. There was a couple, uh, my father was in banking, um, uh, both actually my parents worked for Barclays in different kind of roles, but family friends really and close friends. One of my closest friends now is a broker for Lockton in construction. So whilst I was leaving university, I had heard of insurance and the career there. But when thinking, what is that pathway? My, my general aim was just to 
find a career that opened my eyes really. And when you do your research online and you find companies like Aspen, like others that have a syndicate at Lloyd's and they underwrite insurance in terrorism or marine or kidnap and ransom, for instance, not some of the ones that I've touched on in my career so far, they're topics that really pique your interest, I think, and certainly more so than the traditional roots of accountancy and consulting and things like that. Okay. And you, you talked there about kind of a, a career that opens your eyes, which I think is a really interesting way to describe it. So yeah, is that, I mean, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves in terms of kind of what you do now, but d- just give us a brief idea of, 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 of how your experience of insurance over the last five years has opened your eyes. Well, I think I've been very fortunate that to join a graduate scheme firstly. So I joined Aspen back in 2018, so just shy of five years ago now, and joined on a graduate scheme, had two years on that pathway and rotated, I believe, about five times, maybe six, five around the company. And that ranged from crisis management, where I am now, but also into property, into environmental insurance, into the operations side of the business. And it broadens your horizons to realize that not every insurance company is a a property and casualty insurer, for example. Aspen are a specialty insurer. And to be able to have that graduate opportunity and to see these little niches of the industry is, was invaluable. And so when we talk about graduate opportunities in the future, that's why I'm, I'm such a big preacher for graduate opportunities in, in the industry, really. So well, once you decided to give insurance a go, what's the process for getting a job? So if someone is, is listening to this now thinking, okay, by the end of this episode, they're inspired to think about insurance as a career. What's the process for getting a job? How many applications did you send off? How many interviews did you have? How many websites did you look at? All of that sort of stuff. So when I joined Aspen, I applied for the graduate scheme, but naturally I, I applied for a couple of other opportunities. And fortunately, Aspen was one of the first that kind of came back and really was one of the quicker movers. But so in reality, I didn't actually have many interviews elsewhere, but the standard process for the graduate scheme at Aspen, I think is mirrored elsewhere, is the initial application online. So effectively completing your CV and your credentials, various numerical reasoning tests, writing tests. And then if you're fortunate enough to be invited to one of the graduate assessment days, that's where the face-to-face questions and interviews take place. So that varies from group assessment. So you're sat in a room with maybe six other candidates and assessed by six underwriters and they, the underwriters sit very quietly the other side of the room and just watch you as a, as a group. And you, you sit there for an hour, hour and a half, and you have to resolve an issue. And they're really just trying to see how you work as a team. They're trying to work out whether you can build rapport with other people and whether you're someone that would fit in to, to the culture, I would say. So lots of group assessments, uh, definitely couple of presentations and then the interviews, which I know scares a lot of people, um, the, the thought of an interview. So uh, you talked about the, uh, the numerical reasoning and, and verbal reasoning. That, that's, that Those are both online, are they? Yeah, there was a bit of both, some online. And then once you make it to an assessment day, quite often 
an insurer or any, in, certainly in the financial services industry, will conduct some form of on-the-day test, really to, I suppose, to put you on the spot and to test your your acumen and your your technical abilities. Really, presumably there are kind of, you know, I mean, there are dozens of insurers based in in the city. And presumably many of them, or at least many of the bigger ones, will offer graduate recruitment schemes. Is, is that your understanding? Yes, definitely. And I, I think most do. They're certainly competitive to get on, but hugely valuable if anyone can get on them. And it's worth mentioning that it's not just underwriting. There's graduate schemes for brokers and then those that are interested in compliance, legal, IT, business analysts. It's not just a career in underwriting. So lots of other pathways that you can go down, which might suit particular characteristics of individuals. So we talked about graduate recruitment, apprenticeships. Are there many apprenticeships for school leavers? Yeah, I think that's one thing that the industry has really advanced over the last at least two or three years or post-pandemic, the opportunities for apprentices. I know that Aspen have a program for apprentices and interns. Um, we also do veteran programs, which I know a lot of the industry do. Sorry, what, sorry, what, what, what's a vet, veteran program? Yes, yeah, so like? if there's, there's veterans that have been in the uh, military programs, if you want to call it that. Ah, okay. Yeah, so if someone has been in the, the army or the navy for, for 10 years or so and seeking a new career outside of the military, there's uh, veteran opportunities for, for those individuals, which is great because they have a lot of life experience that perhaps a graduate doesn't have. But you mentioned the interview. So what did the interview involve? So the interviews are typically based on core competencies as a, as a start to the, the conversation. But in general, I'd say the overwhelming theme is the interviewer wanting to get to know you as a person, really. Um, by the time the interview comes in a graduate assessment center, the interviewer knows that you have ticked a box on technical proficiencies. So the interview is really there to find out whether you're a good cultural fit, whether you have a genuine passion for potentially working as an underwriter or a broker or whatever pathway you want to go down. And it's not to judge whether you can write a thousand lines of formula, for instance. It's <laughs> the complete opposite of that. It's a very certainly in my experience, having conducted the interviews and been on the other side of the table, it's, it's a chance to get to know that person and have a good conversation. So you've, you've been involved in the interviewing process as well, have you? Yeah. So that's one of the opportunities that Aspen offers. You're able to get around the other side of the table, which is a really, <laughs> a really interesting dynamic, actually, especially the first time that we did it. And you get to provide your input. And having been on the scheme myself, I hope that I have an, an insight into who would be a good fit. And in terms of core competencies, you know, I'm not asking you to divulge any of Aspen's secrets, but what we're talking about teamwork or technical ability or resilience and things like that, are we? 100%. Yeah. It's the, the characteristics that allow you to be an effective team member and employee of pretty much any organization, I would say. And for you to be able to provide tangible examples as well. You know, graduates have been at university for three years and quite often I, I may have fallen foul of this as well, but graduates seem to think that there needs to be a, a professional example to tick these boxes for yeah. core competencies. And it, it really isn't, you know, we're not expecting a graduate to have worked professionally in an industry for years and years. That's not what we're, we look for. 
Exactly. And I was, you know, I've done many, many, many interviews over the years. And all I'm looking for is someone that I want to spend an hour with kind of doing the interview. So someone who who comes across as an interesting person. Oh, the example I always use is, is someone who on their CV, they said that they were uh, an amateur boxer and a grade eight pianist. And that is someone that I wanted to meet. A fascinating um, character, I to, yeah. I, I wanted to work out how that worked together. Anyway, I should say they're now a partner at RPC. So, so it, it worked kind of a, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I absolutely endorse what you just said there, which is, you know, it's not all about coming up with practical examples that, that seem to fit a box. Definitely. It's actually practical examples, it's practical examples that reveal who you are. And that, that's the key thing. Um, which may be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on who you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a, but anyway, a perfect example of someone that's had an interesting background and has then progressed. So that's exactly, the, exactly. what people are looking for, I think. Exactly. And uh, it's, it's not quite a chron- chronological question. I should have asked this a bit earlier, but, but how did you do your research into insurance? So what, how did you know what you were looking for? That's a tricky one. And my comments earlier about what gets thrusted upon you at university, accountancy, consulting, industries like that, they're the ones where you find all of the information uh, about your future career. And after looking at those and realizing that's not what I wanted, I really buried my head into the internet and had a look at these, these Lloyd's, well, these insurance companies who had Lloyd's syndicates at least, and really saw what they were about, did some research, looked on, on the news front, where they were trending, were they on the ascension or not? Has there been good or, or bad publicity associated with them? I mean, ultimately, I think anyone wants to join a company that is trending in the right direction. They're doing the right things. They're, um, you know, we talk a lot about ESG, for instance. Are they ticking a lot of boxes on that front? Could they be a fit for me culturally? So the, you, you made your decision, but were you happy that you had made the right decision, that you had made the right decision to reject accountancy, reject banking, reject actuarial or, or whatever it might be, but actually to f- focus on particularly the underwriting side of insurance. You felt that that was a right fit for you. Definitely, 100%. And it was by rotating around different teams that I learned that because we were changing every three or four months at times. And if you join one team at a company, for instance, you may join a property team and they're, maybe they're an okay fit, but then you move on to the next team and you think, wow, this is, this is me. But <laughs> then you may move to another one and go, okay, what they underwrite is really interesting, but couldn't maybe see myself doing it for a career. And feeling your way around one of those schemes, very quickly I realized that this was the industry for me. And quite honestly, I, I have never looked back. I, I do see it as a career for me into the future so no regrets and think it was the right decision yeah brilliant and, and you, you mentioned earlier on that there were different types of graduate recruitment scheme underwriter uh, claims um, actuary kind of etc etc what, what was it about underwriting that you thought that that was that was the one you wanted for you so I think the very much the lazy stereotype is that someone on the broking side is more akin with the more conversational side of things in insurance, being able to convince over an argument and ultimately the job is to get a, the best deal for their client. 
And when I looked at the underwriting side and I'd spoken with some friends about the differences, the indication was that underwriting was a little bit more analytical. You could become a little bit more of an expert in your field. And that's everything that I was seeking. I was looking to become an expert in a particular topic. And I think underwriting allows you to, to bury your head down and just research something. You know, for instance, my, my specialism is within crisis management has been kidnap and ransom insurance. And to be able to, to learn about the trends in Latin America, in the Sahel, in the Middle East, for instance, and how every geography around the world has different trends in relation to kidnaps, detentions, threats, extortions. That's everything I was looking for, really, when looking for a role, something that's different every day and you can get passionate about something. So I, I think I made the right decision on that front. Let's go back to what being an underwriting graduate actually means. You say you've said that uh, you spent sort of three months in one department, three months in another department, whatever. So what sort of things do you do whilst you're an underwriting graduate? In those three months, what tasks do you actually do? I think the the two main goals or aims for an underwriting graduate are to one absorb and learn as much as you can within a team because you're going to be gone in three months, perhaps six months, depending on which scheme you're on. So make your mark and, and learn what you can before you move. But then also, quite simply, build some relationships because you need to make a good impression. And you get to the end of the two years and, and lots of schemes work in different ways. But at Aspen, you're putting your name out there at the end of the two years and saying, right, I'd like to join a team who has availability, who would like to hire this individual. And you need to have made an impression over the, that three-month, four-month period and, and shown that you have potential for the future. So the, the, there's clearly a lot of on-the-job training, but what, what sort of formal training do you get on top of that? So firstly, slightly parking formal qualifications, but for, for the first two weeks, you're almost you're chucked on a crash course for the basics of insurance. So you get an expert that comes in and just teaches you from the ground up and assumes no prior knowledge. And I think most insurers will do that because naturally we know very little in the industry at that point. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a beginner. You're on the first. You're new. Very much. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's really valuable. But then yes, you're, you're on the pathway to professional qualifications. So for myself, I chose to study with the CII, so the Chartered Insurance Institute. And so I got, there's traditionally three levels. So there's a, a certificate, so your CERT CII. And then your next stop, your next stage is a diploma, so a diploma in insurance. And then the final one is the advanced diploma. And that's where you're granted the letters ACII. And that's the, the hallmark of an underwriter or a broker or anyone in the industry that's looking to, to study. And if you have ACII, that is deemed a, a very, very credible qualification for you to have. And ultimately, there is some short-term pain, I think, involved in these qualifications, <laughs> as I'm sure you'll know with uh, in law and others that have studied for professional qualifications. But Yes, it's short-term evenings and an early morning starts trying to work your study around your, your, your nine-to-five job. But ultimately, once you've finished that qualification, it provides 
a very broad and thorough foundational understanding of the industry. And it's, it's invaluable. Yeah. And we should say that, that you are an ACII. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. And it, it takes a varying amount of time. It can take anywhere from a year or two up to kind of five years, really. Yeah. And you talked about essays. So is it a combination of essays and exams? And uh, I mean, how many essays, how many exams? I mean, in terms of total hours per week, how, how much were you putting to one side to, to get all of these kind of uh, qualifications? So the first level is predominantly multiple choice exam papers. And so they're a little bit easier to study for. It's really read the book, test yourself, lots of question and answers. The second level, and that is maybe a couple of hours a day, I would say, just to get the, the knowledge for those exams. The second level, you're then introducing the essays and they're broken down with individual questions. And it's about eight to 10,000 words, if I call it correctly. So quite a lot of words, but if you've- That's a lot instance, of words, yeah. Yeah, but if, if you've come from school- That's a dissertation, isn't it? That's, a, that's, that's proper stuff. It is, yeah. Hence the early mornings, late evenings comment. <laughs> Lots of words. And they're coupled with exams. And then the final level is predominantly essays. And you really, you, you choose particular subjects that you're interested in and they're a little bit more flexible. So you can speak about, you can speak about Aspen, or you can speak about a competitor and what they do within the industry that lines up with an, a question that they're asking. So the further you get through the, the pathway, a lot more essays and the ability to, to craft it in the way that suits your interests, yeah. I would say. Um, and, and for the last three years, uh, you've been an assistant underwriter in, in, in crisis management. I mean, I know it's not, it's much more than just kidnap and ransom. So, so tell us in much wider terms, what it is that you do at the moment. Yeah. So I'm part of crisis management, which is a division in the insurance part of, of Aspen insurance. And so we offer a range of products. So it ranges from political violence, terrorism, kidnap and ransom, marine piracy, evacuation and marine war and uh, active assailant as well. So lots of different products and the team's job is to assess risk when submissions come in for under those banners really. So as a, as part of the underwriting team, I'm, I have collective responsibility with my fellow colleagues to build a portfolio that aligns with the, the strategy that has been set by our, by our boss and that provides solutions to, to clients. So my day-to-day -day role is predominantly focused on kidnap and ransom. And so I've had the opportunity over the past three years to work alongside a, a senior underwriter who's got around 15, just over 15 years of industry experience. So someone who has a thorough knowledge of this product line and that space. And to be able to underwrite that portfolio as, as a duo, really. And so you get given some authority at the start and gradually that progresses upwards once you, you get more experience under your belt and you become a little bit more senior and you get given that responsibility and that autonomy really to underwrite in line with that strategy. So you apply your knowledge, you apply what you're learning day to day in the news and your research to risks that come in every day. So it's a really exciting part of the industry to work in. It's, and, and looking forward, 
geopolitically, I don't think the global landscape is looking, uh, it's not going to slow down, not going to become more stable anytime soon. So there's always going to be uncertainty and that's where we come in to provide solutions to, to clients really. What would you say has been the highlight of, of, uh, of your three years as, a, as an assistant underwriter? Continuous learning, I would say. That would be my highlight. I, I think at the start of, of my career into insurance, I, I felt a tad lost into which part of the market I was going to fit into. But then joining a team where you can just absorb knowledge and from others that are on the same wavelength as you, but also to impart that. And if you found a really interesting article or a really interesting piece of work that you'd like to share, then that is one of the biggest highlights for me. It's still remaining so engaged and passionate about something that you are doing for five days a week, you know, many hours a day. And when we talk about topics like kidnap and ransom, for instance, I've had the opportunity to speak with experts that have operated in far-flung parts of the world, individuals who have helped facilitate negotiations for hostage crisis incidents. These are the kind of topics that I never thought that I was going to be able to really cover in a professional job, but the, the, now I have the ability to do so. It's I, That's why I think I've kind of found my calling as such in insurance and in crisis management. So yeah, continuous learning and being passionate about what I do. That's a highlight. If all goes well, um, George, kind of that, how do you see your, your career progressing? What, what are the next stages? Where, where do you go to from assistant underwriter? So the traditional pathway from firstly as an underwriting graduate and then into an assistant underwriter is then dropping the assistant and becoming an underwriter. So that is the next step up. And then lots of companies working different ways, but for Aspen in particular, it goes underwriter then a senior underwriter and then essentially heading up a team. So that's the, the pathway for, for assistant underwriters at least in Aspen. So for me, that's the, the pathway I'm looking at just to hone in on my craft, to still stay within the crisis management space, to, to grow as an underwriter and, and take more responsibility along the way. And then hopefully people come into the team who perhaps have had the graduate pathway that I've had and I'm able to impart anything that, they, that I have to, to educate and to, to, to pass that on because I'm, I'm very passionate about, about learning as I think you can see and but 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 also yeah, passing that on and and to the next don't call it next generation but the people beneath us so yeah that's the plan uh, and you mentioned graduates that I mean we mentioned earlier we talked about apprenticeships do you have apprentice underwriters as well so there are there are occasionally trainee assistant underwriters so effectively a junior underwriter if you want to call it that um again Everyone works in different ways. I know some people don't even have assistant underwriters and some just go straight in as an underwriter. So there's lots of different ways in which the industry works. But yes, there, there are some trainee underwriters as well. And to conclude, George, this is, this is, the, big, this is the big moment, the, the elevator pitch moment. So why, in your opinion, should graduates and school leavers consider a career in insurance? That is a big question, isn't it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a big question. I, I want a big answer. <laughs> <laughs> I would try my very best. 
I would say that if you want to join an industry where you have a good work-life balance, but also you learn about the way the world works, you can meet people who are passionate and who become experts in their chosen field and a career that provides clear pathways to progression, I would say that insurance is for you. That would be my elevator pitch because quite simply, it provides a great balance compared to some other industries. And educationally, you can learn so much and you have a great time in the process. I think it ticks a lot of boxes. Thank you, George. That was wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. RPC Radio. Thank you so much for listening to Insurance Covered, which is an RPC production made possible by Joe Burgess and Mary Mitchell. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will also love our other podcasts, Taxing Matters and Money Covered, plus The Fix, which is co-hosted by my colleague Kelly Thompson. If you want to be a guest on Insurance Covered, please email me at peter.mansfield at rpc.co.uk. Thank you, and I hope you have a great day.